Hey, Anna. Remember that time real-life Princess Tiana served gumbo to Martin Luther King Jr.? podcast. I'm your host, Anna Webb. And I'm your host, Amanda Webb. This is a podcast where two sisters totally geek out on all their favorite moments in history. And happy Black History Month! Happy Black History Month! It feels like, because we didn't have an episode, like, in the first week of the month, I feel like we're so late. <laughs> yeah. But it's still early February. I just, and we'll still have two episodes like we normally would, but it just feels yeah. like it's already been February for a while. <laughs> yeah. So I'm yeah. like, wait... <laughs> Did we miss one? No, we didn't. But it's Black History Month, you guys. It is, and like always, we will be talking about some black people from history for Black History Month. We like to celebrate here on this podcast. Yes, of course. Um, But before we get into any of that, I think we should have a drink update. Great. I'm having white wine. What? Who Who are you? I got got a a bottle given to me. I was at like a work thing all week. And, you know, we always have some beverageinos, right? When we're Mm kind of in the evening, right? And um, there were two full bottles of white wine that didn't get (laughs) consumed. So I was sent home with one. So Fair enough. Yeah. Well, I am drinking water. Naturally. As per usual. All is the same here. <laughs> well, that's good. We need some consistency. <laughs> so we true. We don't have much in other areas. So true. Um, all right. Well, shall we Shall we get started? Yes, of course. So I am going to be talking today about Leah Chase. Yes. Um, she's a very interesting woman. Did a lot of cool stuff in her lifetime. Um, she... I usually, personally, when I talk about people on this podcast, I usually use their first name when I'm talking about them most of the time. But I noticed when I was researching her that she is usually referred to as Mrs. Chase. And I assume that was what she preferred to be called. Um, So that's what I'm going to use outside of like talking about when she's born. Just because it seemed like a respectful thing. Like that's what she liked to be called in her life. So yeah. but to start, because she wasn't always Mrs. Chase. Uh, <laughs> no. Leah Lang is born in Madisonville, Louisiana on January 6, 1923 to Charles and Hortensia Lang. I love that name. I do too. I've seen it before in other things. I mean, it's not super common, but it's a name that I have seen. And every time I see it, I'm like, where did that come from? What yeah. an interesting name. I wonder what I'm it sorry. means. Uh, that was distracting. <laughs> we just we have never talked about this name before. It's true. Okay. Uh, her father is a ship caulker. Um, yeah, and her mother is a seamstress and like a a homemaker. You know. Sure. Um, she is the second oldest of thirteen siblings. Too many kids. Too many. Back children. at it again, guys. That's too many kids. <laughs> Simply if you have enough children. kids that they would make a TLC show out of your family, you, that's too many kids. Stop. Oh, my God. I'm just saying. That's true, though. It's true. <laughs> Not that I want people in big families to feel bad. The, listen, have as many kids as you want. I'm making a joke. 
it's, it's too many kids for so many us kids. personally as that's people. The so idea of that is incredibly stressful. Oh, yeah. yikes. <laughs> um, she is six years old when the Great Depression hits. So that, you know, is the majority of her childhood. Which, if you think about it, that means that they had most of those kids during the Great Depression. Yeah. Yeah. Which is also wild to think about. Yeah. If she's the second oldest, I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Uh, her family is able to grow a lot of their own food, and she remembers, yeah. like, growing up helping collect that, and ha- that's how she really, like, learned about food um, with that through that period of her life. Um, they, she also remembers them making clothes out of old rice and flour bags, you know? Like, you see mm-hmm. the characterization of poor people in the 20s wearing a dress made out of a flour bag is not a characterization, it's real. Right. Like, it it's really happened. Real. Especially for the ones who didn't start out rich. Yes. Right? <laughs> yes. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, her family is Catholic, and they want her to go to a Catholic school but her hometown is segregated um and there is not a catholic school for african-americans in her town because why would we want okay yeah sorry Um, i i've never really thought too much about uh, that in terms of um like religious mm -hmm. uh sponsored schooling yeah i didn't i hadn't thought about the fact that like kids who their families might have wanted them to go to Catholic school. Well, the history of the history of black religion in the South isn't super Catholic. No, but I mean, so it's, it's not hello, something you immediately she, think about. She yeah. is Catholic. There have to be yeah. more black families that are Catholic that might want to send their kids to Catholic, Catholic schools. School. I never mm-hmm. really thought too hard about that. I guess because I don't picture. Um, catholic schools being in that time period for some reason yeah it feels like that feels like a more recent them. thing even though it's not even though it's definitely not it's yeah. not like i've never watched historical stuff where all the kids are going to a school to a catholic school heavily catholic i just yeah those things don't connect in my brain for some reason maybe it's an america thing too maybe that it just the way we teach our history i don't think about those two things existing at the same time yes so that's yeah interesting okay sorry um but she goes to live with an aunt in new orleans because there is a catholic mm. school she can go to there bigger city yeah not as so she sure. she goes to high school in new orleans um she graduates at 16 smarty um and you know she starts working sh- shortly after she graduates uh, she worked uh, marking racehorse boards for a bookie <laughs> for a while. Interesting. Um, I thought this was interesting. She was the first woman to, or she was the first horse woman to do that, huh. to mark racehorse boards for, I guess, that bookie, at least in New Orleans. Interesting. Um, and she also helped to oversee two non-professional boxers. What does that mean to oversee them? Probably manage, manage I would guess, them? is the... Um, That's interesting. Yeah. Huh. I, I wonder how she came to those... Careers? Job. I can I can see the line from the first one to the second. I don't know how she gets to the first one. In the first place, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Um, eventually, she gets a job as a waitress at the Colonial Restaurant and later at uh, the Coffee Pot, sure. which are both in the French Quarter yeah. in New Orleans. So this is when she really learns about food. And not just food, but like cuisine, you know, because yeah. she's working in the French Quarter. And a very specific culture of food. 
Yes. And, and and at this point in time, probably really developing its own. Yes. Thing, well, she right? she is the pioneer of. Um, yeah, it's like becoming its own and, yeah. brand new food culture in New Orleans yeah. at the time. She has her her family is French and um, Creole, and like she has that all that lineage. Yeah. So um, she grew up with that in her home, and then she starts to see it at like. Uh, she sees a lot of other types of food that she then puts her, as we get on into this yeah. later, puts her own well, spin on I it. I imagine at this point in the French Quarter, and I don't know, I'm not well versed on like food history, but I would imagine it's a lot of more classical leaning French cooking. Yes, it because is. Because it is a French population and that's what they know. Yes. Right? So it's introducing this new culture to the French to make its own thing. Mm-hmm. It's very exciting. Yeah. Uh, in late 1945, she meets a jazz trumpet- trumpeter and a band leader named Edward- Edgar Dukey Chase II. Dukey is his nickname. Yeah. Um, and they get married like three months later in 1946. Uh, they'll eventually have four children together. Oh, see, that's a much more manageable time. number of children. It's still a Indeed. lot of kids, but more manageable. Yes. <laughs> Um, so his parents own a corner stand in Treme. Is that how you say that mm-hmm. neighborhood? That's what I thought. Um, in Treme where they I think sell. That, that is how they pronounce it there. Like if I were pronouncing yeah. that in French, I would probably say Trem. Yeah. But I don't, I don't I think, think it's Treme. It. I think so too. Correct us um, if we're wrong. If you're listening yes. from the Narlands area. Yeah. Um, but they sell lottery tickets and like po' boy sandwiches. That's Everybody's what the two business favorite is. Things. Yes. <laughs> and you know, for several years, she stays home and raises their children when they're pretty young. But then, as they get older, she and she decides to go back to work. In like the mid fifties, she starts working in the kitchen at the stand. Um, and eventually she convinces her husband and his parents to expand the restaurant more and they develop what was just a little corner stand into like a sit down restaurant, right. um, which they named Dookie Chase's restaurant. And you usually just hear Very it called Dookie creative. Chase. Yeah. <laughs> You'll hear it called Dookie Chase usually. Right, yeah. Um, all of the upscale restaurants in Louisiana at the time, are white only. We're yeah, still in course. Jim Crow South, you know, like for most of her life, really. Yeah, I think it's Jim Crow South. Don't think about it like extending that far west. Yeah, but it was. But it absolutely was. Yeah, yeah. That's the. I mean, there is a because it wasn't quite deep as culture like, in Louisiana. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't quite as like. Um, Maybe, maybe, and maybe this is just from where we were raised, right above where all of that was going on, literally. Uh-huh. Um, you know, the quote unquote like stereotypical th- themes of that time you mm-hmm. picture in like North Carolina these specific yeah, states, you know, that yeah. don't really extend past like. The Carolinas and Georgia. Right. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean. I mean, Louisiana is is the heart of the Deep South. Like, that is what I think of when I think of Deep South. But somehow that, like, reputation, I think, hasn't really hung around in the same way. Yeah, I see what you mean. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? I'm not saying that, like, we're ignorant to the issues that happen there. I'm just saying, like. If you were not from this country and you thought of the Deep South, you probably would not think of 
Louisiana. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I feel like I do because I think about like. Well, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying Huck Finn and like. I'm saying if you weren't the Mississippi River and like all that goes right on down through there. If you weren't from here and you didn't understand the geography of this country, you probably would not think of that. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. But you know, okay. But I do know know what you mean. Yes. But you know, like where New Orleans is, you probably wouldn't associate those things. That's all I'm saying. Sure. It's just like something that we don't focus in on as much which is interesting that's all yeah okay i'm sorry that was such a tangent anyway um so those like fancy restaurants are all white only they will not serve Mm -hmm. black people in those restaurants and so dookie chase becomes the only upscale restaurant that is open to african-americans and And like it's made for them yeah i love that it was like a stand that became not just a sit-down restaurant, but like an upscale restaurant. Yes, That's because she took all that stuff that she learned and all of that home cooking and created this new style yeah. of yeah. fancy cooking. She yeah. took all that history and created, she created a new style mm. of cooking, essentially. Yeah, you know? I'm thinking about that type of food now and I mm. want it. <laughs> um. So, you know, they're running this restaurant for a while. And then in the 60s, it becomes one of the only, like, public places in New Orleans where African-Americans could meet legally. Um, And so it becomes a place where um, a lot of civil rights movements meetings occur. Mm -hmm. Um, Because the... Uh, most people know about the uh, Montgomery bus, bus boycott, right? Right. But that was not the first bus boycott in the country. No. The the uh, first very successful one was in Baton Rouge, mm-hmm. Louisiana. And so as Martin Luther King Jr. and the Freedom Riders are planning the Montgomery bus boycott, they work very closely with organizers from Baton Rouge and they meet at her restaurant. Sure. Um, so... They would host black voter registration campaigns there. The NAACP met there a lot. Um, Like I said, Martin Luther King Jr. and the Freedom Riders. Um, They also would, um, a a lot of white allies would meet there with them, which was illegal. Right. Um, And so that caused some problems. But like... It was so that the the police knew that that was happening there, but the restaurant was so popular they were too afraid to shut it down it would have been because a there was it would have there been, was it would have caused riots. There would have been such an extreme public backlash Absolutely. that they just let it happen, Absolutely. you know. And then you think like this is fascinating that all of these important meetings happen there. What I find really like lovely about it is this idea of. Um, these leaders who are planning very important things that mm-hmm. will have very big, you know, repercussions in our culture are they the place that they choose to meet is like around food and in a community's which is center so and yeah yes absolutely yes. and I think listen um, obviously I do not I don't have the black experience but what from what I know from folks that I know who are black, like food is such an important part of their, like food is an important part of every culture. Mm -hmm. If we're being honest, but like that type of like cooking, cooking and, and and gathering together. And it all happens, like it all happens around food. And that's so Mm -hmm. important. So I love that. Well, and I, this quote from her is one of my favorites. Um, 
she said, in my dining room, we changed the course of America over a bowl of gumbo and some fried chicken. Yes. I love that. Yes. God, I love gumbo. <laughs> there used to be, when I um, worked in an office, we would get food trucks that came sometimes to mm-hmm. the, like the parking lot because it was like a big, you know, anyway. Um, and there was this one, I can't for the life of me remember the name of it now, but they made um, what they called a gumbo laya, which was yes. basically all the ingredients of jambalaya put into a gumbo. It was so good and it was so spicy. It would like, I would go out there when I was having like a cold or something just <laughs> to clear it all up. It was so delicious. Oh, I love that type of food. It's so good. Um, I really thought this little fact was interesting and I like the way it was worded. I got a lot of my information from her obituary, actually, from the New York Times. Oh, sure. Um, I and get a this, lot of information from New York yeah. Times obituaries. Um, but this this was in there. It said, uh, she let Thur- Thurgood Marshall use her telephone to call Robert F. Kennedy even when phoned-in lunch orders were pouring in. <laughs> and I just really liked the way that that was... Um, yeah. Worded. They're like, she was very busy, but you know, well, we allowed mm-hmm. that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, a lot of famous musicians also came to her restaurant. Actors too. There are a lot of I didn't list them all, but I, I liked this one because Ray Charles had been to her restaurant and um rewrote the lyrics to in the early morning blues to say i went to dookie chase to get me something to eat the waitress looked at me and said ray sherlock b (laughs) so it was you know of of incredible cultural significance right um like something i was reading said i can't remember what year it was but some uh magazine named it one of the top 40 most important restaurants in history. Yeah. Um, because it's ju- it just has such cultural significance. Yeah. Well, not just to the culture, too, but also to culinary to, to history. history. Yeah. Culinary yeah. history specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I really liked this. So there weren't any Black-owned banks in African-American communi- communities at the time. And so they would cash people's checks for them out of the cash ah, um, at the restaurant. That's so, like, interesting. Fridays were super popular because people would come and cash their checks and then they would like get dinner while they were there. Yeah. So, that was like one of their busiest times because they huh. would cash checks for people. That's it. That's one of those things you don't think about, but like, you know, not everybody, obviously, but their regulars who they could trust were right. good for it. They, they would the cash their checks good. for them. Right. Yeah. Wow, interesting. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll touch back on her food a little bit later. Uh, but one of the other things that she's really famous and well-known for is her love for art, specifically for African-American art. So she had studied art in high school, but she had never been to an art museum because they were segregated. Um, so she did not get to go to her first art museum until she was 54 years old. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Wow. I mean, um, it's it is mm-hmm. not crazy like surprising. Crazy like yeah. that's absurd that that happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she goes with Celestine Cook, who is the first African American to sit on the board of the New Orleans Museum of Art. She like is her tour guide when she goes for yeah. the first time, and then Mrs. Chase have. later will join that board in 1972. Um, Good for her. She is on the boards of. Lots of different art organizations. I think I listed well, she's them. she's very important. Boards, but, yeah. She's a prominent, you know, 
community figure. That makes yeah. sense. Um, her husband gives her a painting by an African-American artist, Jacob Lawrence, and then she starts collecting African-American art after that, and she displays it in her restaurant. Of course. And it becomes, like, what is considered to be one of the best collections of African-American art in Louisiana, if not in the country, you know? Yeah. Um, just from her curating and hanging it all up in, in the restaurant. I love that. Um... Yeah, here, here's the other stuff that she served on. Uh, she was also, uh, so she was on the board of the New Orleans Museum of Art. She was also on the boards of the Art Council of New Orleans, the Louisiana Children's Museum, the Urban League of Greater New Orleans, and the Greater New Orleans Foundation. So she got very, she, <laughs> as soon as she saw it, she got very into it, yeah. you know? Busy, busy, busy. Mm-hmm. Another quote from her I really like that was from, 1995, uh, when she was talking to the uh, Congressional Committee to save funding for the National Endowment for the Arts. She said, she said, art softens people and warms them up to deal with each other in humane ways. Oh, I like that. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of quotes from her in here because she spoke so (laughs) well. (laughs) Yes. Um, on, on a sadder note, her oldest daughter, Emily, um, uh, died in childbirth in 1990 and then you know her her child passed shortly after that yeah. um but i included this quote this was also from the um times obituary it said the day after her daughter died mrs chase was scheduled to open the restaurant at 11 a.m so she did i lost myself in the pots she wrote in the dookie chase cookbook i had more tears in the gumbo pot than i had gumbo oh. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. That's sad. But then, um, okay, but let's just hold on, pause one second, because we're talking about her daughter, right, mm-hmm. um, dying mm-hmm. in 1990. Mm-hmm. Early. She died mm-hmm. young. Yes. That's two years before I was born. Yeah. So I just always think it's important when we're, like, talking about segregation in this country mm-hmm. to be, like... It, to contextualize it. We're talking it. about history here, but it was not that long ago. No, no. Her, I, mean, I mean, her kids were... were having like, kids in the 90s. Yeah, they were like yeah. our parents' age. Oh, yeah. I mean, we'll get Close there, but it, she... But we'll, older, we'll, but. we'll get there, but she passed in 2019. Right. So her lifetime... Right. Not that long ago. Right. Yeah. It was illegal for her patrons to eat in restaurants with with white folks mm-hmm. in a and restaurant that is still oper- in operation today right yeah yeah it's ridiculous um yes it is she wrote a lot of cookbooks i didn't list them all out but you know she wrote many 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 cookbooks <laughs> um and i'm skipping around a little bit because there's not like super detailed of every single year of her life right. you know but uh, another important thing, in 2005, Dookie Chase is damaged by floodwaters from Hurricane Katrina right. because she's in the heart of New Orleans, you know. And it was um, underwater. Yeah. yeah. Uh, luckily, her grandson is able to get her art collection out of the restaurant wow. without any damage to it because it, the floodwaters early. The floodwaters were just, you know. It, enough to do damage, but not enough to get up on the walls yeah. to where the art was. Wow. Um, so they were able to save her collection. Thank mm-hmm. God. A higher being looked down that day and said, uh-uh. 
Yeah. Um, her and her husband live in a government-issued trailer for, next to their restaurant for 18 months as they work to repair the restaurant. Yeah, um, we could, listen, we could talk a lot about how that majority black area went underwent a really ridiculous tragedy and didn't get much much uh, response but yes that's another topic for another well, day we, we we will note on it a little bit okay, here great, so great. um because i remember it yeah i was there for that see isn't that wild i remember yes. this event oh happening. yeah i remember i remember hurricane katrina i yeah yeah, yeah. that's what that's what i'm saying it was not that long ago it was not um so, a couple of things here. The New Orleans restaurant community gets together to hold a benefit for her. They do it on um, Holy Thursday, which uh, this particular one was April 14th of 2006. It's the day she, before um, Good Friday. Good Friday, which is before um, Easter. She did a Holy Thursday meal every year. So, that's why they did it on Holy Thursday. Like, this benefit for her was a, a Holy Thursday meal. Yeah. Um, uh, they charge $75 to $500 per person, depending, um, at like a restaurant, a, a posh restaurant in the French Quarter is what this posh. says. Um, I liked this. The guests consumed 50 gallons of gumbo and raised $40,000 for the 82-year-old Mrs. Chase. 50 gallons of gumbo. <laughs> That's a funny mental picture. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's I liked that, that the community rallied around of her for did. the repairs of that restaurant. Yeah. And then um, while they were working on reopening the what restaurant, she joined Women of the Storm, mm. which was this yeah. group of women from those neighborhoods across New Orleans who were lobbying Congress for money right. to restore New Orleans because they weren't, they weren't getting, getting very money. much funding. funding Even though yeah. the whole place was underwater, basically. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, she was one of the women from that group that went to D.C. to speak to Congress at the White House. As she should. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dookie Chase is finally able to reopen in 2007. Yeah. Um, on his visit to New Orleans in 2007, President H, or President George W. Bush eats no H at... No, that one. No, not that one. Um, eats at Dookie Chase. and it. It was a... Oh, yeah, it will... deserve it. It was a little controversial because she was still actively campaigning against him to get funds. But I also think that's very, like, telling of the type of person she was. She well, was, and I think it's, it's smart on her part mm-hmm. to say, like, look, it is that, like, we're going to take the higher ground when you're not mm-hmm. treating us well. Like, yeah. I'm going to keep some sort of goodwill between us because I need something from you, first of all. Yeah. And secondly, just because you treated us like garbage does not mean that we are going to treat you that way. Which yeah. is just another example mm-hmm. of how the people in this country who have been through some of the worst atrocities that there could be, mm-hmm. I only say some because Native Americans also exist, mm-hmm. um, and they've all been through it, are still like the most generous and kind as, yeah. a, as a community. Absolutely. And George W. Bush just didn't deserve it. That's all. Yeah. That's all I'm going to yeah. say. And she was a very, like, proper sort of, a little more conservative, you know. Sure. Um, well, she was raised in the South. Yeah. And she, that was just her attitude, you know, was that she would she would feed whoever came in her door. And of she course. was very, you know. Um, she also, in 2008, 
uh, fed Barack Obama while he was campaigning for no, president. No, there's somebody who deserves it. <laughs> the picture, there's a picture of her with Barack Obama that is oh, just, it it's the sweetest image. It's delightful. Are you looking it up? Yes, of course I am. Good. Of course I am. Oh, isn't that so sweet? So sweet. I love it. You could, you should use that for our Instagram post this okay. week. Just because it's a nice picture. Yeah. Um. Then uh, the iconic Disney film, Princess and the Frog, oh. comes out in the year 2009. Yeah. And the main character, Princess Tiana, is directly based off of Clearly. Leah Chase. Clearly. Yeah. Um, this quote from her, uh, one of her most famous quotes, I think just exactly is where they took the character of Tiana from, you know? So the quote is, you have to look like a girl, act like a lady, think like a man, and work like a dog. Yep. And then they're still going to make you a frog for most of the film. Yeah. (laughs) I had some problems with that, too. Yeah. Okay. But still an iconic moment. A well-deserved muse for the character, you know? Absolutely. I think if they were going to do it the way that they did it and making it a a black story, I think she was the perfect person to base that story on. I love it. Absolutely. Uh, in 2013, her and her husband found the Edgar Dukey Jr. and Leah Chase Family Foundation. Um, and from the website, the mission of it is to cultivate and support historically disenfranchised organizations by making significant contributions to education, creative and culinary arts, and social justice. Which is just perfect a... For them. Yeah, perfect example of all of their work. Um, she works hard and often until she can't anymore. Um, she works in the kitchens of Dookie Chase until just a few days before Holy Thursday in 2019. Because, you know, she hadn't been running that meal entirely for several years, but she always appeared to speak at it. And so people were... People could tell that she wasn't well because she didn't come to that. Because even if she hadn't been well before, she would make it to that event. Um, So, you know, people people knew. Um, And she dies on June 1st, 2019 at the age of 96. On my birthday. On your birthday. Um, She was an amazing woman. Long life. Did so many amazing things. Long life full of so much work, you know. A um, couple of very cool things. Her red chef's coat, which is a very iconic image yeah. of her, is on display at the Smithsonian National Museum of African American History and Culture in D.C. Mm-hmm. And another very famous portrait of her. It's beautiful if you haven't seen it. It's called Cutting Squash um, by Gustave Blanche III is on permanent display at the National Portrait Gallery to look that up in dc yeah he did a um series of portraits on her that they did um oh yeah they I see. displayed one yeah and it's either 2011 or 12 i can't remember but he did a whole series on her while she was still alive that they did you know yeah they displayed um but that one is just a perfect image of her at work, you know? Yeah. Um, and it is, it's on display at the National Portrait Gallery, which I thought was very cool. Yeah, very cool. Um, I forgot to write it down, but I just thought the numbers were wild. When she passed, she 
had 16 grandchildren and 28 great grandchildren. I'm pretty sure were the numbers. That's a lot of kids. Yeah. 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 Wow. 16 she, grandchildren. Is that what I'm pretty saying? sure. I'm pretty and sure. She that only was the had number, four yeah. kids. So. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. Wow. She was an amazing woman. That's she was amazing. really fun to learn about. She's so interesting. Yeah. Um, and I know this was kind of short. I am sure I could have found more in-depth stuff on her. But, you know, I this I figured this was a pretty good overview of her and her life. But mm-hmm. I just thought she was very cool and very interesting. She is very cool. Um, I do have a Sawyer joke this week. Oh, great. Let's hear it. Um, hold on. I have to find it in my messages. But they were with me when I was taking notes. So <laughs> okay. I got a Sawyer joke. Great. Where? Where? Hold on. There it is. Okay. Are you ready? Absolutely. What do you call gumbo that only tells lies? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. A jumbo liar. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, it's good stuff. <laughs> okay. I find a flaw. Yeah. Oh, yeah. are two different dishes. <laughs> it's still funny. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Got it. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, that's Such funny. a liar. All right. Well, you know what? Speaking of segments that we like to uh-huh. do here, history is great, but today is good, too. What's your favorite thing about modern times? Welcome to Modern Times. It's a segment on the podcast where we talk about the things that we like about the here and now. Yes. It is time for some modern times. It's been a while. It has. It's been a while. Sorry. (laughs) Would you like (laughs) to do it every time? Sure. Okay. Well, considering that it's um, Black History Month, I will say black owned beauty brands. Ooh, nice. Because it is so hard for black women to find their shades at bigger, um, like, more corporate brands mm-hmm. or brands that aren't owned by people who know how to make, <laughs> who know what black folks need. Yeah. Um, so black-owned beauty brands who offer full shade ranges, we love to see it, and we mm-hmm. love black-owned business in general. Yes. I will say my favorite is Juvia's Place. I own a lot of stuff from Juvia's Yes, Place. you do. Their eyeshadows are stunning. I have a huge brush set from them that I'm obsessed with. They posted on their Instagram the other day, like a teaser about brushes. And I was like, yes, give me more of your brushes. I love them. <laughs> um, so that's my, I, you know, listen, I, we there have been black-owned beauty businesses for a long time. We talked about Madam C.J. Walker. I think that could fall yes, into did. this category, of course. Um, but I just think I, I've been seeing more and more of these yeah. brands lately. And yeah, so look, if you're into beauty products, go check out some black owned brands. I love Juvia's Place also because they're not super expensive. Nice. Very affordable. And that oh. this isn't sponsored. That's <laughs> just my <laughs> plug for that brand that I love. Nice. Uh, yours is so much more thoughtful than mine. <laughs> okay. Because what I have brought to Modern Times this time is fidget toys. Oh, it's a great one. Because I love them. I, I didn't. Like having... I didn't take mine on my trip with me. Mistake. Well, I was afraid that I'd be sitting in the meetings like making noise. Yeah. So I was like, I'll just not bring it. But yeah. that was, it was a mistake. <laughs> I 
love having something to do with my hands that yeah, is not too. scrolling on my phone. Yes. Um, so, like, Sawyer and I have been watching The Last of Us, right? Very intense. I need to pay attention to what's going on. But I also need yeah. to move my body yeah. <laughs> so I can sit with a fidget and be fully engaged in what's going on Absolutely. and also be moving. They are an excellent toy for people with ADHD. Like, there's, it's it's not just a toy, it's a tool. Um, they're yeah. so good for people with ADHD. They're so good for anxiety. people with autism, with anxiety. Yeah. It is, I know so many people in my life who benefit so much from fidget toys. Um, and you know actively using them get, as a tool. I love it. They kind it. of get a bad rep because when they kind of first started coming onto the scene, I think that the ones that people, like, that were being made were not quite right. They were still trying to figure it out. Like, they were still... Or not properly bit, accessible, you yeah, know, like... Yeah, they were still, like, a little bit too disruptive sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they didn't want kids to have them in their classrooms mm-hmm. because they were just playing with noisy toys instead yes. of it being yes. something that was beneficial like, to them. But it was, now, like, you know, we had to get there. A, yeah, now as a teacher, I have kids who will bring full little tiny buckets of slime and little cubes and stuff, yeah. and they will sit at their desk and take notes and be playing with it, and I know that they're more engaged than they would be otherwise, Absolutely. and I also know that they're less disruptive than they would have been otherwise. Absolutely. Like, I don't like people who don't let the kids have them because oh. I find it to be a really useful tool. I know what it's doing for their brain. I would have benefited from it hugely when I was It's the same thing and as doodling, have... like, exactly. while you're listening. I think I... they're so useful. And for me, it's anxiety. Like, I, it's not... I don't have ADHD as far as I know, but I I do have anxiety and I need to be doing something with my hands at all times. Otherwise, I feel like I can't listen. It's and, a productive way to get the energy out of your body. Yeah. And I feel like um, I'm thinking too much about um, like who's looking at me or, you, you know, I just need to be doing something with my hands to distract my brain a little bit <laughs> from mm-hmm. whatever is uh, stressing me out. And when I was in school, I doodled, mm-hmm. but I'm not a very good, I'm, I'm not an artist. So I would doodle like the same four things. And then my brain would get bored of that. Yeah. And, or it would look like I'm not paying attention because I'm yes. just drawing instead of taking notes. And I would have benefited greatly from fidget yeah. toys when I was, I would have, I think, taken better notes. And I'm a good yeah. note taker, but I would have taken even better notes when I was yeah. young, I think. I have them all over my home. That's why that was what I brought because I looked around and I went, yeah, I was at- for modern times and I looked to the side and I had a fidget cube and I went, lovely. I was at your home the other day and we were talking about fidget toys and you were like, would you like to see this basket of them? Yeah, it's because Sawyer and I both use them religiously, so we have a lot of them. That's not even all the ones we own because they have a bunch of their dorm room. Like, we have a lot of fidget toys. Yeah, yep. That's a good one. Thank you. We love it. Yeah. All right, well, that's the first episode of Black History Month. Uh, We got one more. I haven't decided on a topic yet because I keep changing my mind. Sure. So I'm not sure what it's going to be yet, but (laughs) it It will will be Black History. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um... And then uh, March is going to be, I'm not sure if I'll be able to stick to a theme. We'll have to think about it a little bit because I have to yeah. travel a little bit in March. Um, so we don't know what will be coming up after that. Like in the past, we've done um, women's history because March is Women's History Month. Or- but we also do so much women's history generally yes, that it do. feels less um, stressing Pat- to yeah, us, yeah. you know. I, or sometimes we'll do like, you know, Irish, Irish history. history. But. Mm. Um, so we'll see if anybody has any suggestions along those lines that you'd like us to talk about, this would be a great time for us to do it. So sure. give us a, 
a shout if you have suggestions. Also, for those of you who are into Anna's episodes on the monarchy, uh, which I know a lot of our is- oh, listeners yeah. are, Elizabeth is coming. It, it, I believe yes. it will happen this year. I, oh, it's going to happen this year. I, yeah. at the, at this point, I'm aiming for um, April, but okay. we'll see because okay. March is going to be kind of bonkers, and I don't know if I'll have the time for research. So yeah. I would say April or May. Yeah, that's my. But it's hope. it's happening. <laughs> She's gonna, on the horizon. We're gonna talk about Elizabeth II. It's just gonna be. It's gonna require a lot of effort because her life was so long and a lot yes. of things happened um, during that time. So, and I don't want to miss big important things. And there were so many big important right, things. Right, right, right. So yeah, that that will be coming. I promise. Um, I started rewatching the Tudors, so I'm like in the mindset. I started watching, I got back into The Crown. So oh, same. I See, I'm caught up on that. I don't have any mm-hmm. more episodes to watch. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's where we are. Um, if anybody has any suggestions for topics in the meantime, you can feel free to email us at rememberthatpod at gmail.com. Um, reminder, we are no longer active on our Twitter, so don't go looking there for um, responses from us or episode updates. Um, we are on Instagram, so you can follow us over there at rttpod. Um, send us DMs. I've gotten some suggestions and DMs already, which is great. Very much appreciate that. Um, and you can also find us on Facebook if you just search the name of the podcast. I know nobody cares about Facebook, girl, me either, but it just feels like we have to be there. Um, and if you want to find me on the internet, I am at the real Anna Webb. And I'm at ACW Nerdfighter. Oh, and please leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to this podcast. Oh, yeah. I missed that part. Sorry. Uh, we got chatty. <laughs> so we don't sorry. usually get chatty. In, we were chatty a lot this episode. We don't usually get I chatty in the outro. I went off some rabbit trails. I'm so sorry about that. I just, okay. you know, sometimes when we talk about a person that I don't know quite as much about and we start talking about the context of their life, I, I just start thinking of things I haven't thought of before or haven't right. thought of in a long time and I need to just like get them out. So right. <laughs> that's the point of the podcast, right? Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well. Same on same old over here, same mostly, you know. <laughs> um, and in, in, in that vein, until next time. Remember that time.